Let's do it. Welcome to the show. This is Infinite Pulp presents its course, rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Star Wars, a sand story, <laughs> a working title. Welcome. Welcome back, everybody. This is Revenge of the Sith. We get to see people turn good and bad. It's very good. I'm very excited about this. Yep. For those of you who don't love the prequels, congratulations. You made it. It's Woo! over. We're done. We don't have to do it anymore. I'm so excited. Um, I got a greater appreciation for the prequels by watching this, and I'm very excited to talk about it. But before we do, let's do a little roundtable, and somebody's over there in the corner deciding not to talk yet. Brandon, introduce yourself. How are you doing? Hi, it's Brandon Good again. I'm back. <laughs> again? Welcome thank back. Thank you. Thank you. You he know, came back. I know. You guys didn't scare me away, so I had to come back. Um, you know, I am a Star <laughs> Wars nerd. That is something that a lot of people don't know about me. Um, between Marvel, Ooh. Harry Potter, Star Wars, and all things Bravo Network, like, I am a nerd when it comes to it. <laughs> so I am so ready for this conversation. Excellent. That's excellent. I'm so excited for that. Max, how are you doing tonight? I'm phenomenal. Uh, I do have a question. Brandon, how recently have you seen this movie? Oh, I watched it within the week. So a couple of days ago. Okay. All right. So you've had some time to let it percolate. You know, yeah, I, I had to let it marinate, kind of digest a little yeah. bit, you know, kind of be re-triggered. But yeah, I I, I recently rewatched it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, Max, Max, do you think we are so low quality of a show that I would just surprise people on the day of that we're recording something and not give them time to watch the film? Because that's no, absolutely some- something I would do. Some some people who love shows and movies and stuff will love it and happily talk about it for hours yeah. on end, having not seen it for a year or two. Like, you know, I know several Office fans who are that way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Let's get into Star Wars. Thanks so much for being here, Brandon. I'm so excited to have you, Max. I'm glad you're here as well. Um, it's very I'm touching. suddenly worried that you're both just going to talk this series the entire <laughs> night and I'm going to have to sit here and like defend against both of you. Well, that's the plan. I, that's not yet. We're, there is an episode that we do have that plan that you have to defend because you need to be able to defend that. And and you have to get put through the, the pressures. Oh, but yeah. No, that one, that one I'm prepared to defend. That one I'm ready yeah. for. Yeah, I, I'm sure you are. Let's get <laughs> into it, though, because we're not there yet. Um, before we get started on the analysis and all the questions that I have, Let's talk about our rankings. So we do a little thing, and I'm sorry I didn't prepare you for this, Brandon. Um, um, see earlier in the episode where I would spring things on people without uh-huh. preparing them. Uh-huh. But um, we do Star Wars rankings, and we rank our films that we have seen them. So, um, so far, Max and I have watched Empire Strikes Back. Um, well, we've watched everything up to this point, right? We've watched it all, and we've ranked just the trilogy and this one. We're not going to make you do that. Okay. Release order. Right. right, 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 right. So, like, my rankings are Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Return of the Jedi. One through uh, five in that order so far. Um, you can decide if you want to real quick, while Max and I go, rank those ones and then this one. Or if you just want to put this in some grand order where this fits in your entire rankings. Or just opt out if you haven't thought about mm. it. So I'm just ranking the prequels, it's right? Up to you. Just the prequels? Um, throw, tell us where Revenge of the Sith is in your entire Star Wars rank. What number that is on the list. Um, or just rank the prequels. Do what you need. But you think about that. Max and I will do our rankings and we'll come back to you. That way we can give you some time. Um, Max, where's the sly for you out of the movies we've seen so far? 
all the way at the bottom. This is this is at the bottom of the list, and I will go ahead and spoil that this is also at the bottom of my master list. This is my least favorite Star Wars movie. That is very surprising. You and I agree on something. Finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost. We are very close to agreeing. This is at the bottom of my current list as well, and this... I won't spoil the the whole master. This is not on the bottom of my master, but it is very close to the bottom. But I do want to go on record and say that it's not because I dislike this one, but it's because I like every other one more. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction, too. I agree. I I still really enjoy this film. I think it's the weakest out of the, I mean, obviously out of the prequels. There's a lot of things that I just like more about the other ones. So I'm with you, Max. Mm -hmm. It's not like I could dislike this one. I just happen to like the other ones more than this. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Brandon, you're up now. So it's going to be on the bottom for me as well. Um, you know, I know a lot of people gave the <laughs> the latest Star Wars release. Uh, what was that? Rise of uh, Skywalker. Um, you know, I know a lot of people mm-hmm. gave that a lot of harsh critique. But I think, honestly, this one was the worst one for me. Yeah, yeah it's That's troublesome. Fair. Yeah. There's just a lot of parts in this movie that, I mean, even when we were watching it, it's just like, what, what, why, why, why did you... Why'd you do it that way? Yeah, we you didn't gotta do yeah. it. You didn't have to do it that way. It could have been better. And so, but, but why though? <laughs> but and there's just some parts in here that I really like. I feel like the the like the line delivery is the worst of all the trilogies in this one as uh-huh. well. Just immediately as soon as I started watching it, when I was in the theaters, like cool opening moment, all the ship stuff, and like we're in space and war is happening, and then they start delivering their lines, and I'm like, this is kind of cheesy, and I don't know if I like this very much. Yeah, um, and it, that, pull, it rips you out of it immediately. It really does. And I'm not a big fan of that. So and I feel like that's kind of throughout the whole film. Um, <laughs> but as I, I've, I, I've talked about that, the whole the whole prequel trilogy, you know, this is nothing new to the folks who have been listening. Mm-hmm. I don't like the line delivery in a lot of these films. I think it's flat without emotion and it's just kind of cheesy and hokey. And you know what? Like, I know a lot of things in real life that you say you think it's cool and it's actually not I get that. But like. This is like, it's not like somebody, like, I'm not immediately saying something. Somebody spent time to write this. Now, are you saying um, line delivery know. to avoid saying that you just didn't like the actors in this film? Because, I mean. I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, I don't think the actors did what they could have done. I think every single actor in this movie is terrific. But they were not given the opportunity to be terrific. Like, you and McGregor. Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman have all performed really well other in other places, you know? So it's not necessarily them. I just don't like their performances in these films. But it's not all of it. I think some of their mannerisms are cool, and there's parts where they deliver really great lines. I just think the writing's kind of bad. So it's, it's mostly just the writing, honestly. True. I'll allow it. Rant. Rant over. That's it. Um, folks, you guys want to get into some questions? We're going we're to get into some early, early stuff. Does anybody have any gripes or complaints or really just general curiosities that you want to talk about before we get into anything? Or should we just jump into all the myriad of things that I thought about during this movie? Jump, in, jump into the myriad. As someone, I, yeah, I was just going to say that my, I think this movie tries too hard to be two different movies. I think they're, they, okay. they, they, this film just has an identity crisis. I think it's mm-hmm. trying to retain a lot of the Phantom Menace cutesy, fun, colorfulness and injecting it with a lot of quote-unquote drama that's actually melodrama. So mm-hmm. it, it, it satisfies neither by attempting to be both. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm with you on that one. 
That's why it's in the bottom of our list, folks. But we still yeah. like it because it's Star Wars. You know, like I'm still I would still watch this movie over a lot of other films. So I'm still in love. Anyways, I already talked about this. I mean, I do this anymore. Let's get this off of the list. So uh, the first thing is more like a statement rather than a question. But <laughs> I, <laughs> of course it is. I noticed that in all of the Star Wars movies, and I think it's really funny. But um, the droids in the ship just don't seem to matter, but then they do seem to matter. You know, and it's always kind of a weird thing where. Obi-Wan's droid gets pulled off and like gets murdered from the like at the very beginning, but it doesn't really seem to, like in all of Star Wars, whenever you lose your and like your droid, your astromech, it never seems to make any difference. You still always accomplish things. But then like they also save the day too. It's very confusing. That's it. That's all. Rants over. <laughs> that was a, Unless you that want was a small comment on, on any of that. <laughs> oh man. Okay. My first question really is how is Padme pregnant? Because they literally just talked about how Anakin has been out on the outer rim for such a long time. Is she already well into her pregnancy and she was pregnant from before? So is she like five or six months ahead right now? Like that seems to be the most like sane answer to me because I just don't, the timing there just doesn't make sense to me. I think think that it was established before, but my question with that though is like, at this point, Anakin and, and um, uh, oh my God, Kenobi, <laughs> we're so close. So it was like, wouldn't he still have been following under the teachings of, you know, the Jedi? And like, you know, I just didn't, I, for some reason, I just felt like that storyline was just thrown in there for the conflict. Like there was no other reason that it made sense for me. And I was very confused on it. I was like... I mean- I mean, other than like Luke and Leia have to be produced at some point. Right. Like, because like, we already had we have to get there. We already had the Immaculate Conception with Anakin. So like that can't duplicate itself. <laughs> so that's my other question. Literally, right under this line is like, is Luke and Leia Jesus? Like, is it the same thing as Anakin where she's pregnant and like that's part of why Anakin doesn't understand what's going on? Like that it's just yeah. In my mind, I self-justify. I'm going to do a lot of justifying for this movie, and <laughs> I'll only say that now. Um, I, my understanding is that this takes place over the course of Padme's third trimester, which is really when women begin to like show prominently, right? And so you can you can hide a baby bump up through your second trimester pretty effectively, especially with the large robe she's wearing in that first scene where she's you know hiding behind the pillar. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's so interesting to me because we watched that first, the in in um, the second one, Attack of the Clones. She's like, "We can't live a lie. Like I can't do that. It would yeah. tear us apart." And then they just throw you into this in the movie, and it's like, "Oh, they they're living a lie." Okay, <laughs> right? And there's no like exploration of that idea or like easing into that idea. It's just like that thing we both agreed we couldn't do. We're doing it. And it's like great, solid. I. I didn't need to see any of that part of the arc. That's fine. Yeah, that's not important how they got there. We just need to see the end, right? I also think Anakin's a really impatient SOB. And so when he says we never would have left the Outer Rim, I'm sure he was there for like 10 days. <laughs> Two. <laughs> yeah. Right? So Probably. It, you really don't, you shouldn't take his word for how long something actually yeah. was. I'm, I'm honestly imagining like maybe three or four months. I'm thinking, you know, like, and that makes total sense, especially with the rest of the timeline of the movie. Cause mm-hmm. it seems like 
it's like a week later and she's like really showing, you know, like it, so it, it, the, the way they they do time concept in this is not very clear um, no. for sure. So do you think their relationship is healthy or even good? No. Like, <laughs> like, no, right? This is like, like the it's epitome awful. of a toxic relationship for me. Um, I just didn't, I didn't find that they had chemistry from even when they first got together. Um, but in this film, it was solidified for me that they were not good together. And it just felt the writers were sitting in a room being like, well, we got to get Luke and Leia somehow. So what else are we yeah. supposed to do? And I just feel like that's why we got this forced relationship that just from my perspective. No, I agree with you. I'm 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 with you. And maybe that's part of the issue I have with some of the line delivery is that like the chemistry between them just doesn't seem like it's there. So like everything is falling flat for me. Like I don't believe it. That's probably part of what's what's going on with with that. Max, what do you think about this? I think it so. I agree that there is a lot of there are moments of tenderness that really do shine through in this movie, right? I think there are, there are moments that they allow Anakin and Padme to have that that really do sort of mirror the initial sort of like vibrancy of their relationship. Um, but I, I totally agree, and I think you said it really well when we were doing the movie watch through, which is just that Padme, like it was the scene where Anakin had to go, and Padme said, "I'm really I'm scared." Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and her like I was thinking to myself while she was standing there saying that, like, yes, you're pregnant and yes, you carry this extra um, life. And so you feel more responsible and you carry more fear for that life. But also Padme was a badass. And what the hell happened to her? Like, where did that woman go? Because it's she's just gone now. And you, you pointed out that, like, she exists mostly as an emotional prop in this movie. Right. Her job is just to let Anakin bounce things off of her and then to produce Luke and Leia. And it's absolutely true. And it sucks because she's such a compelling character. She was one of the most, like she was one of the characters to me who had like the most integrity in the series, in this prequel trilogy. I think she fought really hard for what she believed in. Yeah. A lot. And they tried to just like baby it in, you know, with the, when they're sitting there on the couch right before, Padme kind of like first realizes Anakin's thoughts on this or, or maybe different from her own is when she's standing up for like, are we fighting on the wrong side of this? Like maybe the Republic's mm-hmm. not what we think it is. And like they gave it, gave her a little bit to fight for, but like not enough, you know, like she needs more. And it was, and, she, like, and it was still all defined by Anakin. It is right? absolutely. It's so sad. Like it, it's the, yeah, it, you've had in Star Wars. I mean, the lack of women in Star Wars has been apparent from the very beginning, but You've had at least Leia, a super strong female lead who fights out in the battles and leads. And then even Padme did it the same. You know, she went to Tatooine and walked out to see what the other worlds were like. You know, she had a curious and she just sits down and does nothing. And I'm very disappointed in the writers for this. You deserve to be on the bottom of my list just for that. Absolutely. I mean, following her from, you know, episode one, um, you know, Amidala, you know, and then seeing who she has become now. Um, it just, it just sucks. I, I felt like it just was mm-hmm. like the lazy writing of the plot device of needing to get Luke and Leia. And I just yeah. found that they built her to be such an independent, strong character. I mean, let's think about back to Attack on the Clones, her and her two-piece white outfit, you know, coming in with her little, mm-hmm. <laughs> little blaster, you know, uh, <laughs> till now. Well, it's like, yeah, yeah. We were talking about that. 
yeah, it's like, who is this girl now? Like, who who is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. No, you're absolutely right. We were talking about that on Attack of the Clones of she got the most apex predator out of all of them and still handled yeah, it. She got the like, cat. she got the cat. Oh, yeah. And the cat's going to be the most terrifying one to fight. And she still did it, you know? Like, man, it was, I think she was the first. Yeah, it was great. Um, it sucks. Do better next time, please. <laughs> Do better. Um, I'm going to skip this question because it happens later in the film and I want to go sequentially a little bit. Um, so we talked about this in the commentary, but I really want to get into this a little bit. But I, I think a lot of the issue and I understand the hard part of what's hard to talk about this is the whole movie is essentially a way to get Anakin to become Darth Vader and to produce Luke and Leia. Right. Like that's what we're trying to get to. And we know we have to get there. So we have to have the council make stupid decisions. But do you guys think the council made any right calls with Anakin, not granting him master when he was on the council, not letting him go fight Grievous, essentially sidelining him for like a lot of the things that he spearheaded and he was the one and the reason that they actually had those like things to do. You know, like he was a part of a lot of that and then he just put him on the sideline. I don't necessarily believe they did the wrong thing in their minds. Or even, like, necessarily the wrong thing. But they did the wrong thing for Anakin, I think. I don't... I mean, I think with Anakin, I think they were privy to, you know, him being susceptible. I think that's where it probably came from. I think that's why maybe they were kind of sidelining him a little bit. Just because yeah. I, I yeah. think they, they were aware. I mean, they had to have some type of, of awareness that he was the weakest link. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, I think maybe that's where it came from. Um, watching it back, I was like, oh, okay. Because I don't... The thing about this film is it undoes a lot of the integrity of these characters. Where it's like, the council has always made smart decisions. So why was it in this movie that it was like, meh? Like, you know, <laughs> it just seemed mm-hmm. so weird to me. But I definitely think from my perspective, and I could be wrong, but I think it had to deal with maybe they were aware that he was struggling and they knew that maybe his um, his interactions with specific people could probably tempt him or, or turn him. And I think maybe that's where they were operating from. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's the issue I have with it is they are. That's exactly where they're operating from. But I don't think that's how you have to handle Anakin. You know, and I'm, I'm going to throw in a little sports reference here on our Star Wars podcast. Um, but I was watching the uh, documentary about the Chicago Bulls. Quick reference, Dennis Rodman, dude has a personality. During like the finals, they let him just go off for a couple of days to Vegas and come back. Like you don't just do that during the NBA finals, right? But he needed that. And like the dude had like 20 rebounds in that same. Anyways, that's the kind of thing. Like maybe you have to treat Anakin a little differently and a little bit like, okay, you know, like we need to treat this carefully, but like we understand that one point of tipping could send him down the wrong path. And I don't know. I, I it's it's a hard situation. Anakin needs to grow up and like be able to make his own decisions and understand to be patient for sure. But like, I, I don't know. I think this is a continuation of the decision making that we saw over the first two movies. I think this has been coming. And so this doesn't feel necessarily uncharacteristic for this council at this point. I think a lot of what you see in the council and the Phantom Menace is a rigidity and a real clinging to ideals and to dogma, which is why Yoda's, you know, he's too old. We can't, we can't undo all that. Like this mm-hmm. is just, it just doesn't work that way, right? The universe just doesn't work that way. And it's like, 
you guys want to be at all flexible about, you know, life, right? I thought the Sith right. were the ones who deal in absolutes, right? And then in in Attack of the Clones, they're like, hey, we lost a planet. Oh, but if, you know, like the receptionist is like, well, if it isn't in the archives, then it's not there. And it's <laughs> like, y'all really, it's, it's just like this arrogance that comes in like the Hellenistic period of any civilization where they have spent so long with so much power that they think they're unassailable, which is why Palpatine is able to kind of sneak attack them from behind, right? Mm-hmm. So so for yeah. me, it makes sense because they're doing what they know to be, they're doing what they do, right? Nothing, they're not going to change for him. And I think that it's a self, obviously it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because they're like, we think you're going to be trouble. You have to do what we say. And then he says no. And they're like, yep, you're trouble. <laughs> like, Duh. But I think, like, I think the biggest frustration for me of all the conversations and all the interactions that Anakin has over the course of the entire prequel trilogy, as far as like his arc and determining his validity and like the necessity of his presence and his voice. Cause it is confusing to be told you have, you have all the power, your voice matters, but we don't grant you the rank of master, right? Like that's a really confusing place to be because there's no forerunners in that. There's no one to show you what that's like, right? No one has experienced that. So no one can hold your hand through it. But what pisses me off the most is that Anakin does the right thing. He goes to Mace and he says, Mace, I'm afraid I'm, I, I have terrible news. And Mace says, we'll deal with it when I come back. And just f***s off the planet. And it's like, are you serious? <laughs> really? <Poor> You're, you... <laughs> but also it's characteristic for Mace because he is like the warrior, right? He's not a politician. And you see that in his behaviors on the council in the first couple of movies too, where he's like, even in Attack of the Clones, he's like, get me down there. I want to chop some heads off some bounty hunters, right? Like he wants to be in the action. And I think it, it but that that's the decision. That's the moment where Anakin tries to do the right thing and the system lets him down. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a it's definitely a grand story of this movie of the system letting Anakin down for sure. Like he like he shows so many brief moments of good that he's trying to do the correct thing. He's trying to do everything the right way that the Jedi are telling him. And then when he does the right thing, the Jedi tell him it's still not good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, like he can't win with them. And so it's it's so frustrating to watch out as on behalf of Anakin to like see him go down that path and be like, yeah, it's 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 bad. The speaking of the prophecy, Max, I'm glad you brought that up a little bit, um, a self-resilient prophecy. But I thought that something was really interesting when Yoda and Windu, I believe, and Obi-Wan were all talking about the prophecy and whether or not Anakin was the chosen one. And Yoda looks at him and he says, you know, maybe the prophecy was misread by Yoda. And I think that's a huge line because I don't think the prophecy was misread. It was misinterpreted by the Jedi, right? Like they thought they were going to be the ones that were going to be like, the Sith were going to be destroyed rather than that, like then bringing balance to the force of, of, I mean, literally there are two Jedi left, Obi-Wan and, and Yoda and two Sith left. Like he brought balance to the force. He did what he was supposed to do. <laughs> That's about as balanced as it can be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, two known Jedi, we know more than that. 
Um, but along with that, too, it's really interesting because Obi-Wan points out and he still like fights on behalf of Anakin and believes in the prophecy. So you can see the through line between Qui-Gon's teaching into Obi-Wan. I thought that was a cool moment. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I I think what you, I think you said it right, though. I think maybe they misinterpreted the prophecy. I think like um, they probably like misread it. Someone whoever read it for them was like, um. Yeah, we're the we're gonna last. Uh, the Sith will be eradicated, and we're great. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, clearly, by the end of this film, we know that's not what happens. But <laughs> yeah, it, oh man, it points so much to the arrogance. Like Max was saying, just like, oh, this is definitely about us, and we're definitely gonna be the ones that have all the power because we're the rights. You know, like yeah, we right. have the right, the right idea. Well, but my question then is like, well, maybe um, it was meant to be that way because we know what happens throughout the rest of the Star Wars films. So maybe mm-hmm. it was meant to be that way where they were supposed to be misled. It's kind of one of those oh, things for sure. where oh, for sure. you're on the need to know for the need to know, right? So like if they clearly would have <laughs> yeah. known that they were supposed to die, I think the Jedi would have been like, us? You mean us? Like I think it would have caused a whole other type of problem. And I think it may have pushed some of them to be on the Sith. So I think maybe they needed to be misled for a reason. I agree. That's the whole like crux of this entire film is just like it has to the end has to be a specific thing like it it leaves no doubt in like how things are going so of course they're gonna like misread the prophecy or the prophecy actually is true they just didn't understand it at the time yeah it's it's always tough with with a movie like this you know immediately after this scene we talked about this before but immediately after they are talking about the prophecy and i think this is really important um, and it really starts digging into further so, showing doubt into Anakin's mind. But immediately after they talk about the prophecy, Padme asks him if they're on the wrong side. And I think and then he talks about she asks him to essentially tell the senator or the senator, the emperor to like, hey, stop this fighting. So the council is not going to let him be a master. And then also Obi-Wan just asked him to be a spy for the Jedi Council. And now his most loved intimate partner is now asking him to spy on the essentially influence the emperor. So everyone's wanting something from him. he's getting pulled in so many different directions and like nobody. Oh man, it's so tragic to me. And it's so, it's so sad. So is this like the, the point where Anakin starts to, to, to like break off and distrust people and become, okay, I'm just going to do things myself now. Uh, because now every single person that's close to him is wanting something from him. And he's just like, I don't know if he can handle that. I mean, I feel like Anakin has always been, I mean, personally, I found Anakin to always be a little, I hate to use the word unstable, but like, I find that he was always kind of questioning. I don't think it took, I think, you Mm -hmm. know, there was always something within him, you know, clearly as we know, but I think, when you watch it, I think there was always this voice within him that made him question everything already. Um, And I think that's where that kind of was planted. But I definitely think the actions of those around him contributed to him truly fracturing away. I think that voice was always there, but I Mm -hmm. think the actions of others kind of magnified it. And then it just grew into a full on, you know, cycle of distrust and, you know, him not really wanting to believe anything anyone said around him anymore. My mind just keeps going back to that scene of him fixing his pod on track, right? When Sebulba rips that piece out and he has to revert half of one engine's power to the other. And he's on his own, right? He is he is out there problem solving on his own. 
He, he doesn't have Jedi help. He doesn't have his mom. He's out there in the wilderness and things go wrong and he fixes it. And I think a lot of that sort of independent resilience that came from being um, in slavery on Tatooine, working for um, Watto and racing pods, building building all these other things, basically being like an engineering savant, right? Um really embedded in him a lot of that independent streak. And so I think when when he does finally get to a point where all the voices around him are clamoring him for him to do something, I just like in his mind, I, I just see him reverting back to that place and just like saying, this is a problem that I will solve. I will fix this. Mm-hmm. And he fixes this. And the only because the only problem he sees right now, like everything else be damned, like is I I need you. Like, I will not lose you like I lost my mom. That is the problem I have to fix. And this is the solution. Yeah, for sure. And as you kept on talking about, even throughout all the commentaries, all the reviews, he's still, you know, always the the little scared boy in space just off of tattooing. You know, he never really loses that aspect of himself. So... Yeah, Anakin's tragic. I want to talk about somebody else for a second, though. Is that okay? Can we, can we move on, on oh, from yeah, Anakin for a little bit? Maybe get back while. to him. <laughs> m- m- maybe get back to him a little bit later. Um, so I do want to discuss Yoda a little bit because you, you pointed it out earlier in the um, episode, Brandon, where you were talking about none of the characters seem to have any of the integrity that they show through the rest of the films. And I feel like Yoda is the like one of the worst culprits here. Just because I feel like the entire film, he knows something's happening and something's going on, but he just keeps going with the council. It's like he's choosing to not act and to not say something. And he's deciding to be mysterious about it. Like, even when he gets to Palpatine, he just walks away. Like, he falls down a little bit. He's like, all right, I guess he got me. I'm done. You know, like, I just, what happened to Yoda? Like, what? I mean, I understand writers, but like, what like is there any sort of in-world explanation we can give to why he just kind of decided to become somebody who just didn't act really? I mean, I guess the only in-world excuse I could give him is he knew what was supposed to play out, so he couldn't really um, engage or change anything that was already on course would be the only thing that I could give. But I just think mainly it had to deal with writing. To be honest, I think that what ended up probably happening was before we got to this film, the writers were probably like, all right, great. We got these characters. And then it's like, Oh crap, this is what we have to get to. And so I definitely think it had to, they had to do undo a lot, excuse me, from what had happened before. And it just sucks because in this movie, you're like screaming at the screen. What is everyone doing? Like, it just felt like, you know, (laughs) there was just so much happening where we all knew it shouldn't have been happening. And we were aware the other characters knew it shouldn't have been happening. But guess what they were doing? They were pretending that everything was okay. Um, and so I definitely <laughs> think it had to mainly deal with the writing. But I guess within the in-world uh, excuse, Yoda is, for me, he's like the all-knowing. You know, he's our our, our little green mentor to true of the force. Um, and I just think maybe he didn't want to take things off course. Like I think about in uh, Game of Thrones, what's the, the title of that character? Like the Watcher or whatever? Uh, that brand becomes I forget what his official title was but like he knows what's supposed to happen but he can't interact or like change course of things so that's the reason I'm going to give here to Yoda yeah that's fair yeah 
I think that's a good way to explain it. He's got to know something, right? He has to know something has to shake out a certain way because he just doesn't even like. And, and maybe, maybe when he's fighting the emperor at the end, when you're when you're looking at Yoda, takes one of those platforms and throws him at the emperor, like literally right after the emperor, like like rose five of them and threw all of them at him like consecutively. So maybe he was just like, oh, this guy is a little more powerful than I can handle right now, and I can't do this. We need somebody but his, else. His was spinning. You didn't didn't oh, you his see was his, spinning. his was spinning. That's true. That's it true. took Forget a lot I, of concentration for him to spin it. Forget everything I just said. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what happened. So it's, for me, I think it's about projection. I think Yoda, when you talk, when Yoda talks about we can't let him join t- fear in him, I, too much fear I sense in him, right? Like I think Yoda's projecting like a. <laughs> I think Yoda is terrified. I think Yoda is so scared of kind of getting so close to what could be a good thing and having it go bad that at every turn. Because he's worried about fostering this negative outcome, he he chooses to to act in as subtle a way as possible to avoid feeling guilty or responsible for making that outcome a reality. And so I think he like the fact that he walks in to confront the emperor and the emperor lightning bolts him in the face and he's not ready for it. <laughs> like yeah. that that's the same thing where it's like he he sees what's coming. And he doesn't act. And I think it's not just because he he's because I don't I do not believe Yoda's omniscient. And I don't think he's woo. woo he, I don't think he is powerful enough in the force to have like cl- prescient understanding of the arc of this story. Right. Well, yeah. And and feel free to disagree with me on that, because that's a fun conversation we can have about it. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah, go ahead. Uh, just that like he's and he even when he's fighting Palpatine at the end he's doing it out of fear and it's like it's like it's like watching your feet when you dance right where it's like I'm gonna just screw up I know it I'm gonna screw up Mm -hmm. and then you screw up and you're like god damn it I knew it right and that's that's what I feel like Yoda does in this this last sort of time period after Order 66 is executed. He's like, it's all falling down around him. And he was like, I, I knew this would happen. And it's like, no, you didn't. You did nothing to prevent it. Right? Like, I'm a I'm a big fan of like free will and autonomy and like the notion that he 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 had these vibes and chose to just sort of like faff around about it is just nonsense to me. Cause when he talks about even the uh even the the killing of the younglings, when Obi-Wan is like you know, who did this? He said, he doesn't say like face. He's not like face the truth. We must. He's like, avoid pain. You should. And it's like, that's telling man. That's telling. Yeah. Because he's not, he's no longer interested in like, I I, I don't know, grander ideals, right? He's in reaction mode. He's in the adrenaline is kicked in and he's in fight or flight mode. He's in survival mode. And after that, you know, he says, defeat the Sith, we must, right? It's like, that's the only thing he's thinking about is not, how did any of this happen? What does any of this mean? It's just like, I have to fight now, right? But someone who thinks, who knows their only recourse is to fight goes into a room prepared to fight and doesn't get lightning bolted in the face. Gosh, I can't, like, I, I man, I was watching this last night preparing. I could not believe he got lightning bolted in the face there. It makes me so mad. 
It makes me so mad. I can't understand it. Sad. Um, You know, I think of Yoda as like a little teddy bear. And, you know, it it, it (laughs) kind of reminded me of the scene of Toy Story where they thought they were like headed to their doom on the conveyor belt. You like want to turn away because like you don't want to see the teddy bear die. But, um, you know, I just I think the main culprit for me, (laughs) I mean, granted, I know, but like it had to do with the writing. I just think watching it back, it just sucked. It, It just really like. Because we knew these characters and how they had set them up to this point. And so when characters do a 180 like this in a film, you already know what's up. You're like, oh, we're retconning things because they have to get to a specific ending. So it just sucks because we really saw these characters making all these dumb decisions. It was like watching a horror film where characters were acting amateur. And you're like, don't go into the barn by yourself where you hear a chainsaw. Like, that's literally what we were doing with this film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's just every time I get surprised at that, it's like, oh, you just, okay, it's done now. Now your fight's over. You just decided. I think also it's very similar. Like, it's not so unrealistic for Yoda because Yoda's always gone what he thought is a greater good of things, right? Or he's kind of gone along with the course. He, he, he really flows a lot more than I feel like he sticks his foot down and says something. Uh, like you can see it in Phantom Menace when he he says, "Hey, I don't agree with you training Anakin, but the Council does, so I'm going along with it too." Right. You know? and, and in that respect, I think Qui Gon has a leg up on him in a lot of ways. Just the mm-hmm. notion that like Qui Gon Qui Gon flows with the Force better than Yoda because he he flows. You know, it's like water finds the easiest path downhill, right? Like Qui Gon knows that like the easiest path is going to be to train this kid up and let him do all the heavy lifting, right? Mm-hmm. And and. And Yoda's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And he I don't knows for 20 years until the kid's wife is going to die. And then he I don't knows a spinning pizza at the emperor. And that doesn't work. So he f- gives up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good pizza, though. It was uh, a big crash. The emperor had to jump to the left to, to ev- evade it. It was very difficult. I think you're right, though, Brandon, that the writing is bad um, for a lot of this film. And I think, you know, a lot of people give... Hayden Christensen a hard time but between bad directing and bad writing a lot of like not good I won't say good but a lot of passable actors get screwed so hello there so we um lost Brandon's audio here for like five minutes um, we figured it out right away it just took us a while to actually fix it um so it's gonna sound like we just kind of stopped and then started up again and found branded again uh, because that's kind of what happens so um we're stopping now and in about you know five seconds from here maybe even shorter than that we'll 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 hear branded again so enjoy the rest of the show thank you hello oh that sounds good it's it's totally good okay you're good you are good to go shoot where were we talking about yoda and all the feelings he had i I was Agreeing with Brendan that the writing is bad and that, you know, bad writing and bad, bad acting, bad directing can often pin mediocre actors in, in yeah. bad lights. Um, but the, the thing I think that's the most striking for me about this film is that it's two and a half hours long and it feels like an hour of that didn't need to be in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for like, sure. Like, there is so much in this movie that feels like. I just I, I I was exhausted by the end of it because like that last sequence where they're like they've got the kids and they're taking them to where they're gonna be and all this stuff. It's like 
I'm exhausted because this feels like it's taking forever. And also at the same time, it didn't feel like it was given enough time, right? The moments weren't allowed to happen. It was just like, it was just like somebody running along, tying all the bows on the tops of Christmas presents on the, on their ways down the conveyor belt, right? It didn't feel organic. It didn't feel, it didn't feel engaging at that point. At that point, it was just like, oh, you're just going down the list and ticking all these boxes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And that when sucked. It, got to, it sucked. did. It sucked. They, they gave like, they gave such little time to Padme too, I feel like. Yeah. Like in her death and everything towards the end. And how are we going to like just the Luke and Leia, just no time for her to sit with her kids at all. And oh, man. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, Max, you're absolutely right. That's something exactly how it felt. And you, I, I told you, like in the car, I don't know how to fix that at the end. I don't know where they go to make that a better way. <laughs> you have to fix the whole movie leading up to it to make that in, like that moment more impactful, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think I think they didn't realize at the time how much farther the universe would extend, right? I think they were trying to just create the prequels and then be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think they had a sense of the scope that it would evolve into. And so they, they were hurried in their attempt to show this change in Anakin and then put all the other pieces in place for the, for the first trilogy. And it, it just obviously didn't work. <laughs> no, it did not. I have a fun question for you. What is General Grievous? Is he droid? Is he living? What? What's the official answer? What's what is General Grievous? Because up to this point, we've never had a droid cough or breathe <laughs> like that. How did he come about? Like, what's the purpose? I want to know. I think he's a plot hole. because i mean like we get i mean we do get a droid like that and what was it um was it rogue one um where you kind of have like a but even still no grievous was very different let let me retcon what i just said (laughs) grievous was really different but also to the fact that he was work he was a sith like what other (laughs) what other droids are like him like and i don't know i don't know what he is i just want to classify him as a plot hole that that's what i'm classifying him as (laughs) that's the good question like is general grievous a sith like he can he has like so when he says count dooku trained him in the arts was he just talking about fighting with lightsabers or can he also channel the force as well he does not have access to the force no he does not um, he is, he is a, I can't find it online. I was trying to Google it while y'all were chatting about it. Um, he is a, he was at one point living like a being. Um, and, and that being was eventually, you know, it's like Anakin is becoming right. Where it's just yeah. like, you know, you, you, you lose out in so many battles that eventually you're nothing, but like the, your, your core components and the cybernetic body keeping you alive. And that's basically what Grievous has become. Yeah, I think so. I didn't know he was a creature before. Uh, yeah, yeah he, he, was. he became Grievous. That's cool. Yeah, that's a cool. I, I kind of like that aspect of it. Which would, but they don't they don't give you any information no. about that. And yes, the fact that he's coughing should make should help you realize that like oh he's an he's a what is it a cyborg where you're both right cyborg is where you're half machine, and then android is where you're full machine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's a cyborg. Uh, basically, but it's he's like so he's he's a cyborg way way far gone. Yes. So that leads me to my next question and something I proposed at the very front in A New Hope, and I'm very excited we can finally talk about it. 
because we understand what Anakin is. Can the force be channeled through droids and mechanical beings? And if so, that was my question. Can Grievous use the force? Because now we know Anakin is very much so lots of machine. So he's channeling the force somehow through his hands that are mechanical. So what does it take for a force user? Like, could Grievous possibly use the force? Can the force be channeled through droids? These are the questions I have. Hmm. I don't I don't think so. I, I don't I think so like... either, but I'm un- trying to figure out like why why like like is is the core of the person have to be like living? Is that why like my essential question is like Anakin's able to channel the force through a mechanical hand with force choke. Or are we just assuming that I don't know. Like, I, I It's the I same reason you're not nothing... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's like it's like an antenna on a car, right? Like you're not the antenna isn't the radio, right? The antenna just magnifies or transmits the power of the radio. And I think it's the same with these mechanical components of living beings, right? It's the midichlorians. It's their connection to the force that drives their ability to connect with the force and harness it and use it. And the the metal parts around that being, you know, they use the gestures and stuff. I think personally, like especially when I think about Vader force choking, um, for me, it's it's very much just like, um, what's the word? Um, it, what's the, it's not phantom pain. It's like that. It's like phantom force movement where it's like he's oh, done yeah, it yeah, before. Yeah. And so he just like instinctively like that's what his body does because that's what makes this happen. But I think it's mostly the his willpower and his like being and his essence that actually do that. And I think the gestures are mostly channels, conduits of a sort to focus the thoughts and the will of whatever force user is doing that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And Qui-Gon does talk about it um, earlier on. Um, about the force being, I think it's Qui-Gon being part of all things and not just like living things. And mm-hmm. like, which is why you can manipulate rocks and float things and pick up X-wings and that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. it's just, you know, the line between at what point in time is a person able to channel that force? How much, how much, you know, not human, but, you know, living organism has to be left in him, you know, is yeah. it possible Grievous could channel the force? I, I don't know. You know, has no. he lost too much of himself? I don't think he was force sensitive. It's the same reason he wasn't like ever involved in the Jedi at all. It was because he was like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. Dooku didn't didn't make efforts to train him in like the ways of the force. He just taught him like Jedi combat. Right, right, right. Like, right, right. like right, right. lightsaber tactics. No, no, I'm with you. My, it's, my question is more of a grander question of would it be possible for him to use the force? Um, yeah. And I, I think it would be based on his anatomy. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, Fruit Loop. Um, all right. Let's see here. Max, we talked about this a little bit earlier in um, Clone Wars. We went into a little discussion about it. And I want to get back to it a little bit because now we have the full picture of a lot of things when it comes to the mm-hmm. troopers. But, and Brandon, let me get your thoughts on this too. Um, what? So, Max and I, just to give you a little background, we talked a little bit on Attack of the Clones about the clone troopers and if... Palpatine just took advantage of a situation or if he was one of the people that first planned to 
have the clone troopers and use them. And he was really a force behind actually their creation um, and everything. And Max, if I remember correctly, um, you were on the fence of he took advantage of a situation. And I was on the fence that this was his plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. Max, uh, Brandon, where are you at in, in that line? I think it was his plan the whole time. Um, I definitely think because when you think about it, like the DNA that was used and, and everything, like, I think it was his plan the whole time. And I think that's why I enjoy attack of the clones way more than this film, because I feel like it was the uh, chess piece movie that kind of set up everything to Mm -hmm. come afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think that he was, he's a smart man uh, or being, Um, and I think that he had to, uh, have a well thought out plan because the Jedi are no easy uh, group to take out, you know? And I think that he had to outsmart them. And I think that was the perfect way to do it. And I definitely think it was planned. I, I mean, I don't think it was any other way, not saying that he couldn't have taken advantage of a, a situation, but I think it was planned way, way more than that. Yeah. My main reasoning that I think it's planned too is, is essentially order 66. And I, I feel like Order 66 has to trigger something in the clones, like, makeup and their brains that allows them to turn on the Jedi without, like, questioning. You know? Yeah, it was embedded. It's so difficult to inundate that many troops to not have, to, like, have every single one of them try to turn on the Jedi all at the same time. You know, I, I can't think it's just orders that they were given and they willingly did that. Because they've been fighting along the Jedi this entire time. From the attack of the clones up until now, Jedi's have been part of this battle and they've been fighting out there alongside of the troops. So they're going to be the troops are probably going to be more appreciative and like enjoy the Jedi than a lot of the other parts of the Senate. I just can't see them turning it on without somebody planning and saying we need to have this inside of them in order for me to complete my plan. And Max, that's why I think it was not just something that was taken advantage of. (laughs) Well, I think so when we're talking about that, we're talking about like. You know, we're talking about things like cellular growth acceleration at a rate of like like f- uh, enormous factors. The notion that these things grow into fully fledged humans in like what six eight years is the timetable that they yeah, talk it's, about. It's fast on Camino. It's really fast. So the notion that you could also do conditioning as a part of their training makes perfect sense to me. So I don't think it necessarily has to be a chip. I buy that it could be like. Okay, you know, it's like, that's true. But they already had thousands upon thousands of troops before they were even discovered by the Jedi Council and the Senate. Yeah. So my argument is not that Palpatine Palpatine was like found out about the clones when um, Obi-Wan did. I think Palpatine found out about the clones before that. But I don't necessarily think that he was involved in Cypher DS's um, – facilitation of the clones. I don't think that the genesis of the clones was necessarily his idea. Um, I think he, he saw the clones happening and he saw the trade federation with their droid army. And he went, this is the chaos I need to be able to seize power. And he just manipulated the pieces to do that. I think it's a lot like um, we talked about the assassination attempts on Padme in the second film Mm -hmm. and, and what were his hopes and, and like, goals for that and i think it's really just like it doesn't matter if it works or not because the chaos is what he's going for right right? the destabilization of the existing structures by putting them at odds against each other is really the way that he 
facilitates his own rise to power. I can buy your, your view on that. Um, I disagree, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy you have it. um yeah it's just to me it's i i feel like he just had the master plan the whole time like he needed both armies he had to have order 66 for one of them like i just feel like having the clone troopers come in and and so this is going to lead into my other question this is perfect so having the clone troopers come in essentially save the senate right they're looked upon somebody who is, oh, we would not have won this war without them. So you're building trust in like the galaxy out there that the clone troopers are the good guys. And then you take the clone troopers and then essentially turn them, make them your army. And now they are the oppressors and not the good guys. But nobody knows that yet. You know, they all still think the clone troopers are, are the good guys. Um so I just have to think that Al Palatine just had the whole plan coming from the very beginning. Because how else do you get rid of the Jedi? Like, I understand destabilizing the, the galaxy. I think you can do that. But I think specifically to get rid of the Jedi, you have to have some sort of, as Brandon was saying, really plan to, to do that and master plan. So we talked about that enough. My next question is, after the movie, how long is it before people start to realize the Empire is bad? Like... Because these clone troopers came in and are seen, I think, as the good guys, and that's how they were. Like, how long does it take the galaxy to figure that out? Is it years? 10 years? I mean, is it 15 years? When does that happen? Is it immediate? I think it's a while. I think it's immediate. Okay. I think it's a while. I think that's part of what makes it work so well. Well, I feel like it had to be. I mean, I I can see both sides. Like, I feel like it, it. to better the plan, like, sure, people probably didn't find out right away. But I think some had to be immediate. Because, like, the Order 66 deaths weren't all in private. Yeah. No, that is true. People were seeing the, the clone troopers fight against the Jedi probably and killing them. I, I would assume. Yeah. I bet you... Yeah, I don't know. My only answer is probably the Separatists still felt like they were being oppressed, but the people who were part of the Republic probably felt a big sigh of relief for a while. That like, okay, we won this. We're good for a bit. And I feel like it probably took a few years for them to realize how awful this actually was going to be. And then that's when the rebellion started. So that that's a different question. When did the rebellion start is a different question than how long did it take the galaxy? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just... Yeah. My main question was, how long do you think the galaxy took to, to realize that this is not good for the, the galaxy? I don't think they realize it until the sequel trilogy. I think mm-hmm. that's the whole point of the arc of the sequel trilogy is convincing the universe that the Empire is bad again. Right. And it damn near doesn't work. And we'll get there. But like, OK, yeah, I never thought about that before. Because in the in the in the original trilogy, it's a splinter cell of rebels who take it down, basically. And they don't they don't take it down necessarily they cripple it right and they 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 leave it strong enough to be able to metastasize effectively into the first order but it's still out there and it's still very powerful and there are so many people drinking the kool-aid of law and order Mm -hmm. that that they will happily give up freedom right and that's like what padme says you know this is how freedom dies to thunderous applause but there are still people i mean there are whole groups of people in the world who firmly believe that the empire did nothing wrong 
who will legitimately argue the point. Right. There are people out there with with like, you know, my son is a stormtrooper, proud mom of a stormtrooper, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. Like people people back the empire. Right. Because because order and, you know, public health care and all that stuff is like a thing that is good. And people like want to know that they are safe and that they are cared for and that there is, you know, food on the table every day. And they're so I think. My argument is that that they don't realize it for a very, very long time. Well, my question then with that, so like skipping to the end of the film where we have like Organa uh, going back to his plate, like I feel people had to have known, like I don't think that some people just didn't know. I feel like people had to have known and were going to, you know, kind of secure and get to a safer space. Um, than where they were. I think that some people had to know. I just think, that, mm-hmm. I don't think it was more widespread um, until later on. Um, that's why, yeah. of course, yeah. we got like, um, you know, the the t- some of the TV shows that fill in the gaps and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think some people had to have known what was happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm not arguing mass ignorance. I'm just saying like, oh, yeah, yeah. As, as far as like a movement goes, like even even the rebels in the original trilogy are not, like they don't stand, they don't represent the galaxy. They represent a few small disenfranchised populations who are upset enough to take action and, and daring enough and brave enough to take action, which is part of why their story is so commendable and so heroic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a combination of, of yeah, a few people definitely know, but I, I mean, I think that's why it's so interesting is because, you have all these clone troopers coming in and now they're, I mean, they won. They're the good guys. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to think this is like the way we think it needs to be. So like, it's just, yeah. I mean, I think you're both right on, on different levels of, of, of agreeing. I love it. This is great. Um, I have only one more question, but it has something to do with Max and I. So let's talk about the last act first and then we'll get into my last question and we can get to our rankings. Sound good? Mm-hmm. So let's just start um, from uh, when, uh, oh, wow. We've talked a little bit about Yoda, so let's skip that. We really haven't discussed anything on Mustafar yet. We've kind of touched about everything else. So so Anakin, this is kind of also one of the hardest scenes for me to watch. And Max, you thought it was really compelling. Um, and I think this is part of where the writing is the worst in the whole film. Uh, Brandon, how do you like that scene between Anakin and Padme? When essentially, I mean, at the end of it, we get Anakin turning and and killing Padme or, you know, he thinks he did. Um, do you buy it or do you sell it? <laughs> do, you mean, do I do I do I buy that being the turning point for him or do I? Do no, I... I'm sorry. Do you do you just buy the whole scene as far as just like um, when Max and I were watching it, Max told me he's like, this is really compelling. And I think it's one of the worst not worst, but I just don't buy it at all. I don't buy their chemistry or anything. I think Natalie Portman's delivery is terrible. I don't know. I, I like the fight uh, scene after that. Fully and transparently for me, that scene was very awkward. Uh, <laughs> just because I don't think they have chemistry. I don't think that they're bad actors. I just don't think they had chemistry. And I think watching that scene for and knowing what was happening, for me, the execution wasn't there. Um mm-hmm. And it just, it was, we got here. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, we knew who these characters were, right? And Anakin at this point had done everything for her. Like, 
you know, his, he was acting out of fear, you know, because of his dreams or, or nightmares, should we say, um, of like what was to come. And like, you know, I would think that he would view <laughs> and kind of protect her a little different. But like that scene, I was like, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, oh, oh that's this mm-hmm. is what we're OK. OK. I mean, so mm-hmm. in that terms, I don't buy it. Um, We can sell that, please, for uh, like a four for four. <laughs> Um, Ooh, you know, that, yeah, that was that was not that scene wasn't for me. I'm sorry, but that that scene was not for me. I get it, I get it. It's not great. It's not a very well acted scene. Um, it's not a great scene for a lot of reasons, and I think one of the biggest reasons from a directing perspective that I really don't like the scene is because all the Padme shots are over Anakin's shoulder. So you don't get to look at their faces looking at each other. And that devastates me. And and that could be the point, right? This notion that they're so detached from each other that they're just like talking into the air at this point or talking at their ideas of each other instead of who they actually are now, right? That that's how disconnected they've become. So I can, I can see that from like a cinematography perspective. Um, but it's a load of horse because like we've been through so much with this couple and one of the things that drove me crazy early in the film that really sort of did jar me out of their relationship in this one was when she like she was like, hold me like you did by the lake on Naboo when there was no politics and no war. I was like, what the f- are you talking about? Like you were embroiled in politics and war at that point. You wouldn't kiss him because you were so worried about what the politicians would think. So I think the writers just had no clue what was happening. And and we've 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 complained about the writing a lot. So now I'll take the opportunity to complain about the directing. Um because Padme, like when she backs up and her eyes tear up, like I'm I'm a symp- I'm an empathetic crier. Like she starts crying and I get teary, right? And I think she's doing an okay job. Um, but she starts to like back away from him and then she stops. But she doesn't – I don't get the impression she stops out of any, like, character-driven desire to stop. I think Padme wants to keep backing away. But I think the director was like, you have to stay in the shot. (laughs) Like, you can't back out of the shot. Stay where you are, please. And that frustrates the hell out of me. Because I think – I think I'm just, like, two minutes with them could from a decent director. And and that scene would have been completely different. But it's a lot like um, – because I think part of the problem is Anakin by that point is trying to look like angry and and lost in his anger. And he winds up looking like a cardboard cutout a lot. Like when he and and Obi-Wan are floating on their little things and he goes, now I'm afraid this is where you die, master, or whatever the hell he says. It's so dumb. (laughs) Um, His face just doesn't move. Like – and he's trying to look tough and it just feels like high schoolers acting. Where it's like they're they're doing what they think act anger is, right? They're doing what they think sadness is, but they've never actually experienced it or actually aren't in touch with it at the moment. So it's painful for me to watch that. But I also think it's painful, like this notion, just watching, I think what, what carries that scene for me is Natalie Portman's um, transition from running to him, holding him, saying, this isn't true, tell me it's not true. And the more words he says, the farther away she backs mm-hmm. until at, at one last time she goes out to him again and puts her hands up around his face and says, I just need your love. I don't need anything else. Please, let's go. Please stop. Let's go. Just like 
uh, I get I get choked up just thinking about it because it's like that's all that's all it is is love, right? That, that's their story, and that's what she wanted at the end that he couldn't give her because he wanted her around more than he wanted her to be happy. And that's 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 brutal, but that's also the kind of like stifling, selfish love that a lot of people think is what love is, right? And so that's what's kind of about it is that's really common. Yeah, toxic relationships one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. And I think like you know it it was interesting to me, and you make a good point. You know, their love story was kind of supposed to be the center of this, right? And he was doing all these things for her. You know, he he was fearing that, you know, her death. And it just, for me, it was just so bizarre. And I think, you know, Padme being on screen was the one that was kind of like our voices of like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Anakin has done this 180. And like, you know, it, it just sucked to watch that play out. And um you know, for me, it just was the big question mark, too, of like, OK, you said you were doing all this for her, but she's now telling you like, hey, look, <laughs> let's go, um, yep. you know, right, but he's right. like, no, you know. Yep. It, yeah. It, uh, well, his mind it. is so screwed up, too, already, because he's now had two premonitions. He had the one where Padme was going to die and then he had one where Padme was giving birth. And Obi-Wan was there. So now he's like turned on his best friend and now he's blaming Padme for something that doesn't even like it's like what Max said earlier. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy for her prophecy for himself, too. You know, like he sees these things and then his actions are what makes these things come about. It's a very common theme about these uh, self these premonitions that uh, all these Jedi have. Um, we'll talk about that a little later in a few more movies. But uh <laughs> Yeah, it's I really like I love the aspect that Max brings on this and I really like that aspect of it and that part. Um, but I, I do wish it was executed better. Because yeah. oh, yeah. it's, it's I great. I won't argue that. It's great. I just wanted <laughs> I to argue just, that. Yeah, and that's kind of this whole film for me, a lot of it is mm-hmm. I enjoy a lot of the story beats that are going on and the reasons and even like why things go from one place to the other. I just don't like a lot of the way it's executed. Um, and that's kind of really where, where it comes for me. Um, yeah, it, it, you could see his turn, Anakin's turn. What I was trying to say earlier is, you know, what I was getting at is when Max, like all that Padme wanted was their love to go. And Anakin is already gone. Like when he turns around and he's talking to Obi-Wan, he says, my empire. Like, not Mm -hmm. the Emperor. Like, he thinks it's his. And he's Mm -hmm. already town that Sith past where, like, it's soul power for himself now. What what can he do to save himself and, like, bring about good on the world that he thinks is good? He's he's essentially turning in. He's taking all of what the Jedi taught him, but just making it Sith. You know, like, the Jedi taught him to, like, try to make the world better and do better. But he's taking the Sith path of it. It's very sad. One thing I do love about this last scene, though, and we could talk about the lightsaber fight because it is awesome. Why does Obi-Wan leave him to die? Is it because he cannot kill his brother? He can't because he loves him. He cannot kill him. Would he want him like? Yeah. Yeah. That's. Oh, that scene is so hard to watch. I don't think he could do the final deed. I think it was like, I've done enough, you know, and he's going to meet his fate. I think if Obi-Wan would have personally killed him. He would have viewed himself as a Sith or something at that point or being, you know, along those lines or, or, of crossing over. And so yep, I think I he did so much to where he was like, look, 
He can't move. Um, he's on a bed of lava. I mean, any minute <laughs> now. However, I yeah. do wish he would have stayed back to watch him his demise. I think that would have been smart. It's like the rule of a horror film 101. You stay to make yeah. sure they're dead. <laughs> like, you know? It's like, like Dr. Evil says in Austin Powers, I'm going to put you into an easily escapable situation and avert my attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But as we've said this entire time, Vader has to happen. Like we have to get to him. And it is by far. And if this was the, if the whole movie was amazing, but this single piece of media existed in this film, I would still rank it lower than almost every other Star Wars film. Because the worst writing decision, I think, in the history of all Star Wars is no. The no that he yells. Why? Why do they do that? It's so bad. I don't understand. Ugh. Yeah, I... I, I, Nope. Nope. I I just... I just... I nope. There's so many good things you can do without having him yell no in such a weird way. I don't know. I was so, so excited for that scene and to see him finally become like the Vader. We have all known him to be this entire time. And that's how you decide to end it. Thank you, George. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, man. Max, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, we talked throughout the original trilogy about Ben Kenobi's plan. And whether he knew he was going to become a Force ghost. And the fact that Qui-Gon figured it out and is going to commune and teach with Obi-Wan is why I think he, that was his plan the whole time. Was right. to die to Vader and become a, yep. become a Force ghost. Yep. So. Yep. Sorry, I, I will. I will concede <laughs> that point. Yeah. Brandon, we were arguing about whether or not Ben Kenobi, when he died to Vader in A New Hope, whether that was his plan to become a Force ghost after that, or whether he learned how to become a Force ghost in the afterlife and took advantage of that situation with Luke. So, but he knew. He knew. But we didn't know that at the time the movie was being filmed, so I understand your arguments, Max. I get it. Well, also, it was a part of the broader question of what did he mean when he said strike me down and I'll become more powerful than you could right. possibly yeah, imagine. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's the big difference a lot of the times between the power of the light side and the dark side. Where the dark side, when you are gone, you are gone, but the light side has figured out how to become force ghosts. And so their power is always mm-hmm. greater. Um, I think that's what they specifically talk about. Like I think whenever they talk about their power becoming greater, it's that they can exist after they die and make an impact on the world and the Sith can't. Or so we think. Mm-hmm. Or so we think. Man. Before we move into the last parts, I just want to mention, like, we've talked a lot about the time of the story. And, like, one of the things that Brandon said earlier that really struck a chord with me was the notion that, like, this love story is still supposed to be, like, at the heart of this movie. And it's definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the whole second movie was about getting these two together. And so this should be about their falling out, right? And, like, the incidental things around them that pull them apart, right? And and then you've got, like, an hour and 15 minutes of battle scenes. And, like, as much as I love the line, hello there, right? It's my favorite line in the prequels. It's also completely unnecessary. All of that stuff with Obi-Wan going after Grievous was so... Not needed. It was just not needed. It was cool, but it was one of those examples of where the writers really should have killed their darlings. Like, that did not need to be in the movie. 
I would much rather have gotten rid of an hour of that nonsense and had 15 to 20 more minutes of Padme and um, Padme. Anakin. Just Padme. Give us like, something that Padme does outside through. of Anakin. Yeah. yeah. Like show her struggles in the Senate and like trying to deal with like keeping it a secret and like her wanting, okay, it would like, I just, we just got to go away. It's not going to work. Like we have to leave now. Like, let's just do what we talked about and just be together for it. You know? Yeah. I just, man, it's like making Romeo and Juliet too. And then Romeo and Juliet show up for five minutes at the end of the movie. It's like, what the hell? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, Well, I don't have any other questions for you guys at all. We've gone through all of them. You mean we survived that movie and we survived questions? Oh, man. I know. (laughs) We should pat ourselves on the back. Everything. Drinks are on me tonight, folks. Yes. Expensive to the card. Expensive to the business. We'll we'll allow that to happen. (laughs) It's tax deductible anyway. Yeah. Let's get some final thoughts on the film. We've kind of explained a lot. Writing, directing sucks. Folks, what do you really like about this movie? Like, we've complained a lot about this, and we've talked some good parts about it, but give me a few sentences about what 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 you enjoy about this film. Is it is it morbid of me to say that there was a lot of death in the film? Like No, not at all. <laughs> because I feel like sometimes Star Wars plays it safe, you know, mm-hmm. with the Jedi, like you know, they typically don't kill people. So, you know, it was interesting to see, like, all these deaths in this film. And um, it kind of gave a nice darker tone. I love when a, when a good uh, franchise goes dark for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Me I too. can Me say too. I did appreciate that element to it. Um, because, man, oh, man, those poor children and the lightsaber. I mean, oh, I just, you know, seeing that scene, I was like, they're not going to do this. Oh, they're oh they're doing this. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and so I That's did appreciate that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Brandon. Oh, no, if you good. have more, go for it. Yeah, oh, that's, no, I was, I was good. <laughs> that's that's a scene that, like, I I like that they put it in there, but it doesn't need to be in there. Like, you don't need to show that, but I do think right. it's awesome. Like, I do I, – I enjoy the darker aspects of the film, and that's one thing I like. Max, what do you think? What do you what do you like about this film? And then I'll go. We can get our, our, our rankings in. Um. Well, I'll be – I'll trump your morbid and say I like that it's over. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Yes. Um, yes. But, but no, I actually do like, I really like the end. Um, everything I was telling Aaron this earlier while we were watching the movie, Brandon, I really like everything after order 66 because it feels like the, the fallout, right? It feels like a foregone conclusion. And so you're seeing, you're seeing all this fighting happen, but like, even when they arrive on Mustafar and that music kicks in, like, just like, it just like pulls on my heart. And I'm like, We've because the real like for all these, you know, lightsaber duels that happen at the end for the galactic wars that are going on. The real battle in this prequel trilogy was for Anakin's soul. Right. And that was lost already. So everything after 66, everything after the the youngling slayer 3000, you know, goes into action. <laughs> um it just feels like it's a it's it's over, and so it's just like watching the 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 you know it's like watching dominoes fall basically, um, which is the emperor's plan, which makes sense. Um, but uh, you know, even hearing y'all talk about the the murder of the younglings, like I think it would have been so. M- Sorry, I'm not going to talk anymore about the bad stuff. Um, I, we were talking <laughs> about what we like. 
I love the opening. Let's talk about that 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 battle over Coruscant at the beginning. Oh, it's so cool. That is so epic. It's so epic, and obviously, it is immediately disrupted by the bad edit- audio editing as they dive into the cockpits, and it doesn't feel realistic anymore. But that that whole like the scale of that was epic. It was so cool, and the the monster design and the character design is just like. It, it really felt the universe itself, like the galaxy felt really good in this movie. It felt broad and colorful and vibrant and interesting and dangerous. And that's exactly what I want from from a space opera. Yeah, dude, I'm with you on that one. I, I loved the uh, as much as you talked about how much extra the battle scenes were. I enjoyed every single battle scene there was. I thought they did a great job with all that. All the hype like beat moments when they were fighting and the big galactic battles were done so well. <clears throat> um, I do. Like you said, I love all of everything that happens after Order 66 as much as I think it's like I said, I really enjoy the story beats of the film. I, I like that aspect of it. I kind of like to see where it's going and what happens. Uh, it's I, I enjoy that aspect of it a lot. Um, and I love how much it looks like all of other Star Wars. Like Max, I mean, it just when you're looking at the Alderaan ship with um, Organa, it looks like um, a New Hope when they go through the the Coruscant ship there. Not Coruscant. I'm sorry. The the ship there, like I think it does a great job paying homage in a lot of little small ways to the rest of the movies that had come up to this point. Like it really felt like Lucas was trying to say, "Here, I'm going to put a little piece of all my other films inside of this film," and it's not over the top. I, like, I don't think it is. I really like that aspect of it. Agreed. Awesome. Let's do some rankings and get ourselves out of here, and um, we'll talk a little about what's going on next. So, Brandon, you're going to be part of this, and you your opinion will now be cemented fully in Infinite Pulp history, which we are very excited about. We're honored. We are honored, oh, sir. Stop it. We are making an Infinite Pulp ranking of three different topics. We are ranking the movies altogether as Infinite Pulp, the opening crawls that we enjoy the most, and then which film we think have the best lightsaber fights in them as a film on the whole. So we'll start with opening crawls. Um, right now, it is ranked Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, Attack of the Clones, The Phantom Menace, and Return of the Jedi for Infinite Pulp's rankings from top to bottom of how we like the opening crawls. I'm going to say I actually really like this opening crawl quite a bit. I think it's mm-hmm. great. I think it's really, really good, actually. I may even think I think it's better than Empire. What, what do you all think? I, I really enjoy this one. Oh, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I the opening crawl, because uh, like I said, I like the darkness <laughs> of this film, and I felt like I was getting a little tease with it. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, the the first word is war! Exclamation war. point. It, it yeah. felt like it felt like he had taken like he had extrapolated a lot of the like World War Two newspaper mm-hmm. headlines and and thrown it up in front of a Star Wars movie and I was gripped immediately. I yeah. loved it. They they talk about like this is it. Like we're in it. This is happening and good luck. <laughs> and then they'd launch you into yep. that space battle and it's like yep. yep. I love it. I do too. I think it's good. Alright. Do we think it's the best one so far? Are we putting this one on top? I would not argue with anybody that needs to. Yeah. Put it that way. No. 
I, I, I like, Brandon, do you like this one more than Empire Strikes Back? Yes. Okay, me too. And since that's our top ranking right now, that's where it's going to be placed. That's super I, exciting. That's, that's so, cool. so exciting that Revenge of the Sith got one top spot so far. That's so that's, 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 yeah. It had to be good for something. Oh, so, so good. Okay, lightsaber fights. Right now, our current rankings are The Phantom Menace, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, Attack of the Clones, and A New Hope for how we think the best fights or lightsaber fights are. Let's rank some laser swords. Um, I really think the fights are cool. I don't really, other than the ending fights, I don't know. I think they're choreographed really, really well. And they have a lot of big scale to them. I still like the Phantom Menace more. And I think I still like, I would put this at, at fourth below Empire Strikes Back. That's accurate. Um, I think that's accurate actually. Yeah. Because I'm, I was like going through the movies in my head and I'm like, mm, no, mm, no. Mm, yep. I think fourth is accurate. I would just say third. So, okay. Either, either way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Then two. two as long as one. Phantom Menace is, is still at the it's, top. It's I'm still happy. number one. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat Darth Maul. Like that. That's yeah. just. Dude. It's so no good. That. And the music. Like. Uh, do you know I met Ray Park? Do you guys know uh, the story? I didn't no. know that. Can you tell the story though? So, before we get the fun film? fact. I used to I used to work for a company that has a mouse as its logo and icon. <laughs> um, hey, us too. Yeah, and um, I used to work at an event called Star Wars Weekends, and in my role at the time, I had a lot of exposure to a lot of the Star Wars celebrities, and Ray Park was awesome, awesome, awesome. Like he's one of the the nicest people I've ever interacted with. He's super chill. Amazing. I love that. That that echoes everything I've read online. Yeah. Yeah, he's really chill. He taught us how to do a butterfly Any, kick. Any, oh, it's so <laughs> cool. Anybody did you get to meet anybody else? Did you get to meet Ahmed Best? I really want to meet Oh my god. Okay, too. so here we go. Uh let's see. I met Billy D. Williams. I met um Peter Mayhew, rest in peace. I met um Anthony Daniels. I met uh Mark Hamill. I met um, James Arnold Taylor, who does the voice work for a lot of the Star Wars shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met uh, Matt Lanter, who voices Anakin for Clone Wars, the TV show. Doesn't does um, Taylor do 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 Obi Wan? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Um. Yes, James Arnold Taylor does Obi Wan. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I met Ashley Eckstein, who voices Ahsoka Tano. Um, like literally, I met almost like all, everyone. All, all the good ones. Um, I met the kid who played Anakin in uh, Phantom Menace. I forget his name. <gasps> Joel. Um, oh, what's his name? Man, Max, we had to look this up too when we watched the mm-hmm. movie. Um, I met the gar, the guy who played Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, I'm he's awesome. awesome. Yeah, like literally, I've met almost like everyone, and then I actually was on stage with George Lucas. Um, so like I, there's been crazy yeah, yeah. things of Star Wars yeah. in my life. Um, so I'm why haven't nerd. you been on every episode? We, I mean, that's, 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 I was in a galaxy far, far away. I, I just got back. So yeah, that's it. That's a long time ago. How was it? Was it good? I mean, they had great food. You know, they don't have COVID there, so I, you know, it was nice to get away. And why'd you come back? Um, I mean, I, this is where I belong. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be yeah, chased yeah. down with lightsabers and, and things. We're glad you're back. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. You know. Thing. <laughs> I, I, I felt I didn't feel your presence for a long time, and now I do. So 
don't yeah, know. being in a galaxy it, far, far away, man. It's yep, like yep. It brings, it's it nice. No one can track you down. Ah, oh, it's good. Let's rank a movie and get ourselves away from this podcast forever. Um, right now, here are our, I don't even I, you know I'm not even ask you. We know this is the last on our list. I'm not even going to go through that. I'm going to tell you what our rankings are, but I'm going to slot this in right now. Um, so right now we have Empire Strikes Back, The Phantom Menace, A New Hope, Attack of the Clones, and Return of the Jedi. Those are the official Infinite Pulp best movie rankings. Folks, do you want to rank this last, first, middle? I'm thinking last. Bottom of the bottom. Bottom of the bottom. I'm actually going to put a few spaces here Oof. to allow for all the other movies. Oof. And then uh, and then have Revenge of the Sith at the bottom. Because I honestly do not think that's going to change. Um Max and I are going to have to argue greatly at the end of this about whether that's going to change. So, <clears throat> spoiler alert. That's it. It's going to be a fun argument. It's going to be so good. Yeah. Brandon, we should try to have you on for that. Um, so yes. we can 100%. we can we can get all the all the maybe we can try to get all the guests on at the very last episode. So we can get Drew. Drew is already going to be there. He already he's he's on my side. So we need as he's many people. Speed. Yeah, I need as many people on my side um, as this is possible. I will not allow <laughs> Infinite Pulp's rankings to be different. Um, anyways, because it's my show. So let's say goodbyes. Brandon, where can people find you that you want to be found? Oh, my God. You guys can find me on Instagram at B uh, period good. G-O-O-D-E. The E is silent. You can also follow me on Twitter at Be Good Rights. And also my website, BrandonGoodWrites.com is where I am located. All right. And then how about commercially? Where, where can I find your business? Because we need to plug that as well. As well. <laughs> oh, my God. I have a creative consulting business known as Good Things Consulting. You can find us on Instagram at Good Consulting. Our website is currently being revamped right now, but our website is goodthingsconsulting.com. Good is spelled with an E at the end, just like my last name. Perfect. And then also, before, before we go, um, if they wanted to... Like, what does Good Things Consulting do, essentially? Give me, yeah, give me a, so, little, a little pitch. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm on, like, a, a newscast right now. Um, <laughs> Good Things Consulting is a one-stop shop for all your creative needs. So if you have a small business, a brand, or you yourself as an individual um, have a company, basically, um, we revamp, like, your logos. We write mission statements for you. We're able to look at your website and provide some creative feedback of how to improve it. Um, you know, I actually just took on a client recently who is looking to you know, write a series of books. And so they needed some storyline development and helping, you know, kind of map up their world. So we are well-versed in all things creative, graphic design, communications, and creative development. So if you need any of those things, hit us up. We are your people. There you go. There you go. Do it. Do it now. Um, Max, any place that you want to have people find you at? I am Max Baron Reed at all the things. I'm on Gmail. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube, I'm on uh, Instagram. Come say hi. Love to hear from you. And I am Damped Mango, DMP3D Mango at all the things, mainly just Twitter now. I don't have my Instagram much open anymore, but come check us out. And also email us, podcast at infinitepulp.com. Please do. That's it. Brenda said this over. Prequels are done. We are watching The Force Awakens next. I am so excited to get into this. But you're going to have to wait a week. We are off next week. So don't expect an episode because I'm not going to put one out. Um, (laughs) And Max and I have to record both uh, the movie and the review every single week. And sometimes we've done two. So we deserve a break. And we're going to take one. So we are totally not posting anything. And we'll see you back in April, I guess.
have a good uh, rest of your march. Yay. Bye, everybody. Thanks Bye. for being here, Brandon. Of course. Yes, thank you Thanks so much, Brandon. Me. He'll be back, and we're excited. Um, keep a lookout. Go check out all of his stuff and buy something. Hire him, please. See you guys <laughs> later.